0: Remember, the views expressed on The Business Bros Show is only the opinion of The Business Bros. You should always seek your own legal advice, tax advice, and any other counsel regarding investments or financial obligations. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to another episode of Business Bros. Business Bros. I'm Hernan Sias, and I'm here with... James Sias. And we're going to talk about looking for employment. So Looking this, for
1: employment?
0: Yeah, so this is one of the first topics that I actually talk about with my students in my class. So I figured, why not drop it on the podcast? Maybe they'll listen and learn something before
1: I even teach it in class. Yep, you're going to teach them how to get a J-O-B. And what does J-O-B stand for? Just over broke.
0: Oh, why is that? That's usually because... Most of us, right, people who have the J.O.B.s, that just over broke, are living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I know a couple people who make quite a bit of money. I mean, I'm talking over 200 grand uh, a year, but they are like one to two months away of financial disaster. Like, just like the the friends that I have that are like at a 30,000 a year income and they're struggling. I mean, it's like money amplifies the problem. So it doesn't matter whether you're making thirty thousand a year, or you're making quarter million a year. If you don't get your spending under control, you can still be living paycheck to paycheck.
1: So the amount of money doesn't really matter. It's your money habits Correct. that it really does. Correct. However, it really makes a difference.
0: I mean, you know, so I, I tell my my students that part of you know becoming an adult is finding a job, and it's good to have a job. I mean, it, it comes with certain uh, benefits that we'll talk about here shortly, but It's not just about having a job. You have to build another revenue source or be very good at managing your money. But I always suggest, you know, one of the things I tell my students is your boss's job is it's not to make you rich. Right. It's not. It's not. I mean, they're there. You're exchanging your time for money and they want you to do the job that they hired you for. Your
1: boss's job is actually to make the company money. That's it. That's it. And your boss is his job is to make the company money.
0: That's it. That's it. They're not there to make you rich at all. So when you talk about I got a dollar raise, you know, I got a $2 raise, you got to kind of step back and and do the math on that. I mean, you know, I I got a dollar raise, so I'm making $8 a day more or making $40 a week more or making $160 a month more. I mean, it's not really a big deal. So you got to learn to take, you know, use the job use that revenue that you're making to pay your bills on a month to month but you also got to build another revenue stream some sort of business some sort of investment on the side so that your money starts to work for you
1: that makes a lot of sense then that's one of the things that we'll talk about later on as well is making sure that you pay yourself first that you take some of that aside how to how to manage the money that comes in but
0: first i mean most of these most of my my ninth graders most of my 12th graders are about to enter
1: the realm of adulthood so Well, actually, before you explain anything else, uh, tell us a little bit about that class that you teach and why it's so important that you're talking about these 12th graders.
0: Oh, man, okay. So the 12th graders that are usually in my class are not your typical you know, high-achieving, high-high-school-grade type uh, students. Um, They're great kids. They have a lot of personality. They have a lot of ambition. They have a lot of dreams. Potential. A lot of potential. They're just not... Uh, not the highest academic scholars.
1: By the way, for those of you l- listening, that was me. Exactly. That was definitely me. All the potential in the world, couldn't apply it, too lazy, too smart, didn't want to do the work, didn't want to do the homework. And and But, it's, but the thing is, you still need these
0: skills. So what we cover in class, where we cover things from uh, how to get a job, which is our first chapter, we talk about taxes, we talk about insurance, we talk about... Uh, renting homes, buying homes. We talk all about these different types of mathematical concepts, but really they're real-life applicable concepts that they're going to need the moment they cross that stage and graduate.
1: So all of those things that people our age basically complained about that we were never taught in school, which is how to balance a checkbook and how to do your taxes, you're teaching in this class.
0: They get that in this class.
1: That's so cool.
0: So, you know, I mean, and and I always... I always explain to parents too Because parents are the same way They're like I wish I had a class like that In school And then I have to remind them You do remember that I'm teaching high school seniors You remember what it was like Being a high school senior
1: <laughs> Yeah We didn't care
0: No you don't care Until graduation is looming And then all of a sudden It kind of sinks in Yeah right? And you had that experience we Definitely had that, that experience We talked about that in a previous podcast Where you know You're freaking out Like I'm about to graduate Now what Yeah
1: I have no plan
0: And so you know Getting a job is one of those things That uh, you know You kind of have to do. It's part of growing up.
1: One of the first things you learn how to do, really. Right. Yeah. Some kids are lucky. Well, I don't know. Lucky is the right word. But some kids get that experience during high school, you know, summer jobs, working as a lifeguard at not Soak City or whatever.
0: Yeah, the movie theater. The movie theater. and Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: They go through that pretty early on. But at that point, it's just kind of spending money because they're still under mom and dad's roof. Right. You know, they ain't got bills yet. Not really. It's just...
0: It it is it is throwaway money, but that's why I try to embed in them early. You know, um, when I first got my first job at Wells Fargo, I remember sitting down. and They said, "Okay, you have to set up your four hundred one k or your contribution, because Wells Fargo matched four hundred one k contributions at the time."
1: By the way, that's free money.
0: That's free money, and. And I, I remember sitting down and they're telling me, you need to put money in now because if you put it in now, by the time you're my age, you know, I'm talking to somebody who's in their 40s or 50s, by the time you're my age, you're going to have, you know, a ton of money in there and it's going to be all worked out. Right, right. Know, Time is your most valuable asset. Compound interest. Compound interest, this and all this stuff. And I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever,
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't care. So when you were... 18 17 barely out of high school, and getting your first job at Wells Fargo. How much did you put into your four hundred one k? I
0: think I I did exactly what they told me to do. I I put the match, and I think it was like five percent. Five percent. Okay. Yeah. So I think Wells Fargo matched up to five percent. Do you still so have that four hundred one k account? Oh no no no! I think oh. we actually <laughs> rolled it out. or Whatever I had in there, we rolled it out when we bought Pedigo. Okay, okay. So I don't think it lasted very much very long in there, which is usually what happens with a lot of Well, for what it's worth,
1: I mean you got a hell of a lot higher interest rate by buying that pedigo property than you did in that four oh one K. It's definitely true. It's definitely <laughs> true.
0: And I mean I don't really, you know, like the idea of the four oh one K all too much. I think there's a lot more that you can do with the money that you're putting away. But if a company's matching you, why not? Why not? You I know, mean it is free money. It's free money. So, you know, there's there's that. So let's uh, let's dig into uh, finding an uh, finding work. You know, I mean, finding, finding a job. Work. You know, one of the things I tell tell my students is there's really two ways that you find work. One is uh, I, I use McDonald's for example, because uh, there's a McDonald's down the hill from the school, and so a lot of the kids love to go eat at McDonald's. Of course, it's cheap, it's there, and so I they love to go eat at McDonald's. Yeah, and so so they go and they see a sign in the window and it says. Now hiring. Now hiring, help wanted, apply now, whatever. Right. So they go in,
1: they apply. Be part of our MC team.
0: MC team, yeah. So they go in, they apply, and they get the job. Right? So that's one way to do it. You just see the sign, you go in and apply. The other way you get the job is, what I tell them is, one of the homies is in in your class, whatever, one of the homies that you know Mm -hmm. is already working there. Right. And so they tell you somebody's hiring, Mm -hmm. and they hook you up. With the manager.
1: They put in that good word.
0: You go in and apply and get the job. Right. And so that those two things are the way that people still get jobs out in the real
1: world. Very much so.
0: So, you know, one is look it up. So you can go to like an employment agency and, you know, find temporary work and get your foot in the door and make a network connection. So when the permanent position opens up, you get in. Or you can go down, you know, monster.com or ZipRecruiter. recruiter And Indeed. look for, for different jobs that are posted and then do the traditional way, you know, it says apply now, apply now.
1: Indeed. Craigslist. I and mean, there's a ton of them. There's a ton. There's
0: a ton of them. A simple Google search will right. bring up, you know, more, tons of results.
1: <laughs> more than you could probably handle.
0: Exactly. So so finding a place to uh, that's
1: hiring isn't the difficult part, right? Um, oh, you would think, but apparently there's still a lot of people out of work that can't find jobs. Right. Well, this comes down to suitability,
0: right? Or or is this job well, that makes sense. worth my time, right? Do I want to uh, be a day laborer for, you know, 850 an hour
1: versus well, When you're fresh out of high school and you don't have any education and you don't I mean, your only education is high school. Right. Right, right. and you're you're young and strong and
0: but we you know when you're talking about people still out there looking for jobs, they don't really count because they haven't started working yet. So they're not part of the, you know, if you're talking unemployment figures, right, they're right. not they're not part of that figure. They're not. You know, and when you're talking about people still looking for jobs, they're looking for something that has, you know, benefits. Right? right. They they're talking, well, you know, I need to make $15 an hour or None I need to make, you know, $18 an hour. Right whatever it is that was their probably their last job that's what they need to find today and it needs to have benefits and i need to be able to take my kids to school on this day and so it's not that they're not working is they're not finding something that matches what they're what they want right but there are jobs out there mhm i mean again a simple google search will show you that there are jobs out there it's just people you know put themselves a little bit on a pedestal and they really get desperate once they unemployment runs out after a while and then they're willing to take whatever's there but see a lot of times uh if they don't develop skills they don't develop certifications they don't develop uh professional uh, degrees or whatever it is they always anytime they leave they have to start over at the bottom of the totem pole they have to go back to an entry level position unless they find something that has the same experience from their previous
1: employment well that's the difference between bouncing from job to job and choosing a career Right. If you choose a career, even if you, if your employer changes, you're still doing the same job and you still come at it with experience. Right. That's one of the things that actually we've been looking at. Uh, so we're still in the hiring process. One of the uh, episodes that we recently had, we're still in the hiring process. And today, one of the things that we were doing was going through applications. And so we we have this pile of applications and some of them look great. You know, there's somebody who's got a decent background in education, they're they have a lot of the qualifications that we're looking for, at least on paper. But then we look at their job history. Restaurant, 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 restaurant. Right. No experience in the office. No experience actually handling paperwork and doing administrative tasks.
0: Right. It's just it's just you know, they and, and that's kind of a an issue that I have with With my high school students, you know, we talk about what is it that you're going to do as far as after after high school is concerned. And a lot of them have the same the same idea. They're saying, well, I'm supposed to go to college, you know, and Mm -hmm. and these guys aren't, uh, you know, university bound, but it doesn't stop them from going to like junior college, which I highly recommend. It's I mean, it's it's highly it's much more economical to go to a junior college and figure
1: out what it is you want to do because they don't
0: really know. You know they don't exactly know what they want to do, but they got time to figure it out. In those, Mom and in dad might
1: be pushing them in a certain <clears throat> direction; they're not totally sure about it.
0: No, no. And and what I really emphasize is is whether or not they go to college. They need to at least get some sort of professional designation, some sort of um, some sort of uh, like an AA, like an associate's degree, or or a license, so that they can. Have an avenue into an industry and then at that point especially if they're young enough where they don't actually need the money it is kind of throwaway money start an apprenticeship or start an internship in the industry that you want to get into so that when employers like us are looking at your at your resume. And you do have certain experiences. You know, you're not applying for this one job in a career that you want to be in, but have zero experience in that industry. Right. You know, you got to stand up uh, a little bit out of the out in the crowd.
1: Right. So you're telling you're telling your students that they should definitely get some kind of a certification, or license, professional license, designation, uh, or at a minimum, an associate's degree. At a minimum. At a minimum, because that that way, they're they're stepping above that
0: entry level, just above. I mean, it's not by any means are they going to go in and make, you know, $50 an hour somewhere, right? That's not going to happen right away. Right. But they're not also at the bottom. You know, they're not the they're not passing out mail, you know.
1: I'll, I'll say that looking through applications today, if I saw an associate's degree, it held a little bit more value to me than somebody who just had a high school diploma. Right. And somebody who had a bachelor's absolutely had you know a higher a higher ranking than somebody who only had a high school diploma well
0: let's be honest they're doing administrative work right so if they have a bachelor's degree in um i don't know culinary arts it doesn't really match up however the bachelor's degree does show that they started something and they finished it right you know and that says a lot to somebody's character right and and i mean when we're looking at hiring somebody part of what we want is a character or characteristics like we talked about, we talked about their organizational skills, their you know puzzles, mm-hmm. you know, those different types of things attention that we're looking to detail, for et attention detail, attention detail, right? Right. And the fact that they completed that degree program or they completed that certification shows us that they're capable,
1: right? Right. So education definitely a big deal. Certifications, licenses. So what kinds of jobs or what type of employment can you get with those? different certifications and degrees
0: all right well let's let's uh, let's use some for example let's say because i really like the idea of they should have a real estate license right okay now um
1: now how does a real estate agent get paid okay
0: so a real estate agent if you're actually a real estate agent you're not a w-2 earner you're you tend to be a 1099 employ uh 1099 independent that's chinese contractor. to me what does that mean so a w-2 earner is what we call an employee and a 1099 earner is an independent contractor. Okay. So an employee works for you as, as my as, if I hire if I hire somebody and they're my employee, I tell them when they start, I tell them when to take a break, I tell them when to take lunch, I tell them when to take another break, I tell them when to clock out, I tell them what days they're here, I tell them I approve their vacations. You know, all these things I have control over, I tell them what to do while they're at work. You can work.
1: hire them, you can fire them, you can tell them exactly what to do day in and day out. Day in and day out. For those eight hours a day that they're on your clock. Yes. They work for me, they are my employee. All right, what's the difference between a W-2 and a 1099 independent contractor?
0: If I'm a W-2 earner, which is what we're talking about here, um, they, so let's say they make 10 bucks an hour, they work for 10 hours, they make $100. Right. All right. The problem is they don't see that hundred dollars on their paycheck.
1: Uncle Sam gets their cut. Uncle
0: Sam gets his cut. So we have we have the IRS that takes some takes some money for federal income tax. We have Medicare tax. We have Social Security tax. We have in well we're in California, so we have the franchise tax board. The state of California takes its tax, and then usually have local you know uh, disability. That gets deducted. All those things come out of your paycheck. So I
1: work for ten bucks an hour. I work ten hours. I make a hundred bucks. I only end up seeing what probably
0: somewhere around 70 dollars. Seventy five bucks of that hundred bucks. The okay. rest pretty much goes into you know Taxes. You like driving on the freeway. <laughs> you <laughs> like flushing your toilet and it doesn't end up in your backyard. You know, those are the different things that 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 money goes towards. All right. And so, um, a, a 1099 uh, it, um, independent contractor doesn't earn the same way, right? They, they don't get taxed? They do get taxed, but they get all their money up front. So they sell a house and they make $1,000 in commission. They get the whole $1,000 commission check. None of it gets withheld on taxes. However, nice. at the end of the year, when it comes time to file their tax return, we have to calculate what their taxes. is. Now, they also have to pay federal income tax. They also have to pay Medicare. They also have to pay Social Security. They also have to pay the state of California, right? The only difference is when you're a 1099 um, independent contractor, you are the employer and the employee. So you're paying, it it comes out to be about 15.3% of of social security medicare tax and then whatever it is that you end up with your income you pay your income tax and the same thing for the state of california so you're still going to end up paying somewhere around the same amount the only difference is out of that thousand dollars maybe i have expenses that i incurred to earn that thousand dollars so i might not pay taxes on a thousand after i deduct my expenses maybe i pay taxes on seven hundred Then I take the 15% of that. So So a
1: 1099 independent contractor has more control over the amount of taxes that he or she may pay up front. Basically, they have more control. uh, When it comes time to do their taxes, they can say, well, I'm a real estate agent and I needed a new suit. So I went out and I bought one and I can write that off. Maybe not the suit,
0: but let's say I have realtor fees. Or I have MLS dues that I have to pay. And maybe I kept track of the mileage while I was showing properties. You know, those there's a bunch of different things that I had that came out of pocket. Expenses that were ordinary and necessary to produce the income that I generated. But my
1: suit isn't, my clothing isn't something that I can write off?
0: There's, here's a, a nice rule of thumb when it comes to the IRS. Um, if you can wear it on the street, hmm It's probably not deductible.
1: Ah. So if it's a uniform for our military folks. Definitely a deduction. Definitely deductible. Right.
0: Unless they give you money for it.
1: Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. But if
0: it comes out of your pocket, yes, it is. Interesting. I mean, it's a a little different. But let's get back to the W-2 earners. All right. All right. Back to the w two. So the W-2 earners, the the difference between W-2 and 1099 is the W-2 gets taxed first. The 1099 gets taxed last.
1: Right, right, right. That's kind of what I was getting at.
0: Okay, so, and then a W-2 earner, I mean, you're going to earn either a salary or usually an hourly rate, right? And there's a cool little trick that I learned with my uh, with my seniors. Somebody came in from Job Corps and they, they showed us a cool little number. They said, whatever your, your, your hourly rate is, so if you make $15 an hour and you multiply that by the number 2080... So any dollar amount you earn, you multiply it by 2080, and that'll give you your annual salary. So if I take 15 dollars, multiply it by 2080, I get 31,200 dollars. That's the annual salary for a person making 15 bucks an hour
1: before taxes.
0: Before taxes. That's the gross. That's the gross, right? And so um, you know, there's different ways that you can get paid. Once you uh, you do have a W-2 job, one of them is going to be direct deposit. It's probably the most popular now. I mean, you get paid, you want it to go straight to your bank account so you can pay
1: bills. I always judge people who don't get direct deposit. <laughs> straight up. I just I judge you.
0: And you know what? It, it's it's a thing though. Some people, especially it's a it's a cultural thing. There's some there's some people who f- have that need to hold the cash yeah i get that and and you know we talk about different budgeting strategies and one of the budgeting strategies we use is the, envelope, the envelope, envelope system yeah right so take the cash out put it in the envelope system because if you have the cash and you run out of cash that's you're it done. you're done you're done there's right. no need to borrow and get yourself in a hole so you know yeah we get a direct deposit but maybe you know sometimes you you might want to take a step back here and think Ooh, maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. Why do you want a direct deposit? I mean, don't get me wrong. I do direct deposit too. But why do you want direct deposit? Because you want the money to be there as fast as possible. Right. So you can spend it.
1: Well, yeah. For me, it's like, well, what if I go traveling? What if I go do something? What if I don't want to go in on that Friday afternoon just to pick up my paycheck?
0: Oh, I I 100% agree with you on that. However, what if you didn't have the money to go out?
1: You wouldn't. I mean, that's true.
0: Right. And and that's kind of the difference. Or the problem is you'd use a credit card. That's also a bad thing. Yep. Right. So you don't want to get yourself in, in a hole. But anyways, so, you know, getting an actual physical paycheck is still an option. Still an option. However, most people turn to direct deposit. So they don't you know
1: somebody who has been getting a physical paycheck for years, and they are literally the only one at their workplace that yeah. does.
0: Okay, so the father-in-law. <laughs> 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 That's all I'm saying it's yeah. a cultural thing, right? Cultural he, thing. So he definitely still gets his paycheck. He's about to retire after 43 years of service with the with his employer, woop woop. and uh, still picks up his
1: paycheck, takes it to the bank cashes it <laughs> and that's just what he does so and that will never change for the next how long has he got left
0: you know i don't know how his pension's going to work they might force him into direct deposit we'll see oh but boy. i'm pretty sure they're going to mail him a check if he has it his way so if
1: he if he has an option for sure if he
0: has an option all right so how do we figure out how much federal income tax should be withheld that's where the w-4 comes in Right, so when you get hired and onto this job, you get you get a, they're gonna give you a W-4. Now they only really give you the first four pages, but the actual booklet to complete the W-4 is like 20 pages. And remember, what a W-4 does is it is it calculates how much uh, your tax liability is gonna be at the end of the year, so that we can break up that tax liability into the number of times you're gonna get paid, so that your your payment, your federal income tax payment, is as close to zero or it, it, it pretty much covers your total tax so that your refund is as close to zero or your payment is as close to zero as possible.
1: But most people only see the first four pages. They only see the first four pages. What do the other 20 pages do?
0: They're helping you calculate you're going through your previous tax returns. They're asking you how many dependents you have, how many exemptions you have, how much uh, income you expect to make and it's, you know, it's a whole worksheet it's basically, it's it's essentially like a tax return, trying to help you calculate what's going to happen to predict how much tax you're going to have at the end of the year.
1: So you're doing your tax return right at the beginning instead of at the end? So you're being proactive instead of reactive. But at the end you're going to have to do a tax return anyway
0: You are, you are, but you've had your money from paycheck to paycheck, you're getting every possible dollar you can into your pocket ahead of time Rather than waiting for a refund at the end of the year. Most people don't do that, you know, W four thing. But if you think about it, if they're getting a refund for six grand a month, or six grand a year, right? They're getting a a federal refund for six grand, that's five hundred dollars a month. Right. And if you're struggling on a month-to-month basis, one of the ways you can find money is adjusting your W four. You might not get a refund at the end of the year, but you can take that five hundred bucks and put it to a 401k or put it into an IRA or pay off debt or whatever it is that you need it for today. Rather than waiting for it April 15th.
1: So if you're doing the W-4 correctly, then on April 15th or whatever, whenever tax day is, you won't get a refund.
0: You won't get a refund. You might even owe a little bit.
1: Might even owe a little bit. But it's as close to zero as possible. If you're doing it right. If you're doing it right. right. But if you're not doing it right, then you're giving Uncle Sam a little bit extra money every month that could actually just be going into your pocket. Right.
0: Right. And you know what? I mean, uh, people might frown about on that because you have uh, zero interest that you're earning on it. But for the most part, I mean, it's money that you put away regardless of whether Uncle Sam is giving you zero dollars or not. It's money that comes in April 15th. What you do with that money is a whole different ballgame. Right. All right. So if you're not going to do the 20 pages, I understand. Um, I would always still recommend people stay at zero or one unless you talk to a tax professional about your particular situation. Then we can adjust the allowances accordingly. All right.
1: People who have a lot of dependents, will they have larger numbers than one?
0: Yes, because they don't need the withholding as much because they have more exemptions and more credits that they qualify for. So they pay less in taxes. Gotcha. All right. The other thing you should be looking for in a JOB would be benefits. Benefits. These are things like medical, dental, vision, life insurance, uh, company cars, company retreats, um, reimbursements, clothing. I mean, there could be a number of different things that an employer will offer you um, on top of your regular salary.
1: So most employers with 50 or more employees, right? If you have fifty or more employees, you must offer a health insurance plan.
0: You know what? I forgot what the actual number is, but I think it's actually lower. I think it might be ten.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: you have to you have to offer some sort of. I gotta look that up. So don't quote me on that one, but but uh, you're gonna look in the fact yeah, checker. I'm fact gonna, checker right there. I'm the uh, go Google. Ahead and look it up. Yep. Google. All right, but but either way, I mean, it means that that there's something that's got to be in play. And so um and that happened with the with the new t- with the new laws that uh the Obamacare that passed. So it made the rules a little bit different on what employers had to do or what they had to uh pay a penalty for or even individuals that didn't have health care had to pay a penalty assuming they didn't have health care for a specific uh year once it was enacted. And I think it was something like $297 a person. Um all the way up to like 2% of your income with a cap of like 690 or something like that. It was Is crazy. that a
1: fee that's charged to the company?
0: Uh, n- no, that was uh, what I was talking about. There was the individual basis. Gotcha. So if you didn't have health care, um, and throughout the year, the penalty, cause it was, a, it was a, the, they couldn't force you to pay for insurance. Cause that's, that's something that Congress has to enact. Um, they can't force you to buy, buy insurance, but they can, a tax penalty if you don't have insurance. Oh, so that's kind of how a, they got a a, that's how they that. got around it. So, I mean, there's different benefits that that companies can offer. So, that's an additional thing that you got to look at, but you got to think of it, you know, as a give and take. So, your salary might not be as nice as you'd want it to be, but you're getting additional things on top of it. So, essentially if if your employer's paying for your for your life insurance, if your employer is paying for your health benefits or your vision or your dental, that's money that's going into, into the pool on your behalf that they can't pay you on an hourly basis. And it's kind of the same thing with social security and Medicare. They, your employer has to pay half. They pay seven and a half percent social security and Medicare. You pay seven and a half percent of social security and Medicare. So, um, if that's why that when you're a 1099 person, you pay 15.3% because it's, you know, it's that, that extra amount that you're not going to, that you don't have to pay for because your employer pays for it. So benefits um, are definitely something else that we, that you might want to look at when you're looking for a job. J-O-B. Um, let's talk a little bit about
1: interviews. All right, really, really quick, just to uh, follow up on that. The ACA, the Affordable Care Act, places a pay or play penalty on employers with 50 or more full-time or equivalent employees. So it looks like we're uh, talking were 50, right. 50. 50 employees or more. Good, good eye,
0: mate. Good eye. All right. So let's talk a, let's talk a little bit about interviews. So, um, I mean, there's two types of interviews usually that you go to. You, it's either a solo interview where you're like one-on-one with either a one person or two of the employers there, like two managers or something uh, you're looking for. Or there's group interviews. And this is where like multiple applicants show up, right? And they're going to do
1: the interview as a group that's actually what we're planning to do tomorrow. All right. So what's what's the how many people you got in that group? We're looking uh, between eight and ten people. So it's not a huge, huge group, but big enough that uh, it should be. A, it should be fun. Cool. And uh, you guys were prepping for it, right? So I
0: figure it might be a good, uh, a good thing for listeners to hear what an employer does or preps for and is looking for in an interview. So that way, you know, they go in with a little. A little idea of what the other side looks like.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, we had a couple of things that we were looking at. Of course, we were going through the different resumes and basically picking out our candidates. We only have a limited number of seats, right? In our conference room, we have 10 chairs. We just want to fill up the 10 chairs and not go over. So that was the first thing was narrowing down the resumes that were submitted to see which candidates we would actually want to be. Uh, participating in the group interview
0: so you're already weeding them out before we even call them to make the appointment
1: correct okay yeah, cool uh next thing we were looking at was the questions that we wanted to ask so we just used google we just went online and pulled up a bunch of interview questions and said okay these are the ones that are applicable to our particular position that we're that we're looking to fill. And these are the questions that we think would be good to ask, and and a good way to um to figure out the person's character and some of the traits that we're looking for. So again, some of the things that we're looking for is attention to detail and adaptability. All right. So, did you guys consider making
0: like a little a little test, like a little aptitude test?
1: We do have a personality test that we're going to give them, uh, as well as a. Five question, uh, written questionnaire. So we have five short answer questions. One of them that I can remember off the top of my head was uh, describe yourself in three words. Hmm. Right? right. So we have our personality test. You've taken the personality test. Yep. I've taken the personality test. Um, and this one is what we're looking for in this one is a beaver. Okay. We're looking for someone who. Uh in this particular personality test, a beaver is someone who is very, very uh, attentive to detail and to procedures and to systems and to, you know, like the way a, a beaver builds a dam. Right. They got to plug every single hole. Exactly. Exactly. So that's basically what we're looking for is somebody like that. Uh, but they also, of course, need to be friendly. Um, and so, yeah, that that's that's one of the things that we're gonna be looking for is that personality test, and then just going around the room asking questions.
0: Cool. So, um, you know, if if you're going into a job interview, right? I mean, one of the things you need to prepare for is um, what you think of yourself, or um, and well, how you how you perceive yourself, and how you're an asset to this particular company, right? How how are you gonna help them? Uh, achieve th- the goals that they're looking for so right. you should definitely read the the job posting mm-hmm. another thing I would suggest is google the company right right I mean look up the company come in with some stats about them you've been in business for this long you mm-hmm. know you you're in our case where you know it's pipeline insurance you've been in business for x amount of years you've had uh, you work with uh, x amount of carriers. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you're open from this hour to this hour, you know, things about the company. If you come in prepared, knowing about my industry or my particular business, I'm much more likely to, you know, like what you're, what you're saying because you're talking about me. Yeah. Right. So do, do a little homework. I mean, it might even help, right. If they were listeners of our show and they actually listened to the podcast on what we were looking for, it would give them huge insight onto that
1: definitely i mean i don't know how they would find us no cuz we're not necessarily on the pipeline webpage or anything no 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 but, but but imagine if you know if you
0: were able to to find something like that on their website little tutorial videos on what what their you know their mission statements or their vision statements or who they the company is it would definitely help out um, just as an employer just as an employer's preparing to do the interview you should be prepared to know about who's asking you the questions right you know that's the that's one of the best things you can possibly do and I, it might even help when they call you you know i know you're excited getting the phone call to go to an interview you might want to ask hey who's going to be uh you know interviewing me if you can get a first and last name you can google them yep and you know where they work so you can kind of narrow down you yep. know who who your who your interviewer is going to be and get find to them find them on the, facebook yeah, find them on facebook get to know them a little bit before you walk in that room cuz if you know if you and i are having a conversation and you're letting me talk about me the whole time.
1: I'm we gonna, just had a great conversation. We had a great
0: conversation. I'm going to love you because you yeah. talked about me the whole time. Me is the, my favorite conversation. That's right. So get to know the person who's, who's going to be interviewing you if you can ahead of time or at least the company you're going to go to so that when you're having a conversation, you're talking
1: about them or their company and they're going to they're gonna really like what you have to say. At the very least of the company, uh, you should know... Some of their core values, some of the things that they really stand for. Uh, you should have an idea of the size of the company. You should have an idea of where the company focuses their their attentions and their direction. And where, uh, you know, a lot of times there's a vision and a mission statement somewhere on the website. You should know these things. And the more of an idea that you have about where the company's going and what they want, uh, how how you fit into their vision the better an applicant you're going to appear to those people interviewing you. For sure. So hopefully, I mean, we shared some good information.
0: Hopefully, the uh, time you spent on our podcast brought a little bit of value. That was from the Rebel Broker, by the way, that little line I stole from him. So if Which you one was Mr. that? Uh, hopefully, we we provided more value than you've given up in time on the podcast. Oh, there you go. Nice. I mean, I thought when I heard him say that, I was like, oh, that's ideal. That's really, that's really what I Say what that one want. more time.
1: Who was it that said it? It was the Rebel Broker. The Rebel Broker
0: right it's another podcast that I listen to
1: so a little shout out to thank you Rebel Broker
0: yes sir alright so uh, that brings us to the conclusion hopefully you did learn a little bit more about looking for employment a little bit more about how uh, employees are paid and uh, and if you have any questions as always you can follow us on Facebook at CS First or go to our website www.csfirst.com
1: if you want to find me on Twitter it's at trades on the road
0: Awesome, and that's all we got. Peace, and I'm out. Bye-bye.